My name is Dr. Bart Precourt. Welcome to the Health Made Simple podcast. These podcasts will help you create simple strategies and simple habits so you can get back to being the best version of yourself. Hey everyone, Dr. Bart here, and welcome back to the Health Made Simple podcast. I got a great topic for you this morning, and it's all about joint health, arthritis, and why do we feel old? So I got a bunch of different nuggets here. Make sure you listen all the way to the end because I'm going to throw some things in here, some some strategies that probably aren't usually talked about and some awarenesses about why your body's feeling like you're an old man or an old woman here. So let's start with that with that question right there. Why do we feel old? When when does that happen? Is there a specific age? And the answer is no. You know, I'm in practicing now for about 20 plus years in healthcare. And the only time that someone says to me, hey, doc, I'm, man, I'm just feeling old. What can I do about that? The only time people will ever tell me that is when they can't move good. When the basic fundamental movements like getting out of bed, tying your shoes, putting your clothes on, when these fundamental things are starting to cause pain. You can feel the joints, they're achy, sore, that you're losing your range of motion, that literally it's becoming hard just to move your body around. So with that said, is you know what it what is arthritis? And, I, and I'm gonna tell you, it's not age that makes us do this. So for example, we we're supposed to move our bodies freely and easily every day. The truth is. We're born like Gumby, so no one was born tight. So I, I hear that all the time. People are like, oh, I've always been tight. No, you haven't. The truth is that you're born like Gumby. You can move in every direction. Just watch a little kid. And then if we get all the way to the end of life, that's rigor mortis, right? That's where we're stiff as a board. And our, our challenge is, is where are we along that timeline? And that's what we want, I want to address today. I'm going to give you some nuggets here that you can make sure that you are moving in the right direction so you're getting more like Gumby than you are necessarily like rigor mortis. So with that being said, let's start with arthritis. And this is something that, and there's different types of arthritis. There's one type of arthritis that we're really going to focus on today, which is called osteoarthritis. And that literally, there are about 20 to 30 million people right now in our country that are diagnosed with arthritis. So your doctor may, you may go into your doctor with knee pain or shoulder pain or or neck pain, and they may do an x-ray or or just diagnose it even without an x-ray. But oftentimes in things like an x-ray, you can start to see the development of changes on your spinal cord or in your knees or in your elbows. And they see these bony changes that are taking place and they diagnose that as osteoarthritis. So let's look at that and and kind of break it down and, and get a good understanding and Figure out, is this something, well, I'm going to get right to it. A lot of, a lot of times you say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's in your genes. If your dad had it, your uncle, your grandma, maybe your, your grandpa, maybe your cousin, your, your neighbor, well, if they all had it, then you're probably going to get it too. The answer to that is no, that's not necessarily true. The truth is, is that this is not something that happens to us. Actually, it is something that we do to cause it to happen. So let, let's, let's, let's break that down and understand. So what is arthritis? And typically the symptoms of arthritis, they're, they're pretty straightforward. You get pain with moving. You have inflammation around your joints. You get a little, maybe even a little swelling. And there's stiffness. And those symptoms combined make it difficult for you to move. And when that happens, that's when we start to sing that song, Oh, I must be old. And a lot of us 
we carry around a bag of reasons or excuses of why that's happening. And listen, I, I had a bag full of stuff of why it hurt me to get out of bed when I was just 40 years old. You know, I played rugby for 10 years and I beat my body up or, you know, I did mixed martial arts and I beat my body up doing that, that and I had scar tissue and, and all of those things. And to some degree, they were, they're accurate because those contributed to, you know, beating my body up. But the flip side of that is that there's a lot of other causes of arthritis. And there's really two. And, let, and let's and let's address those right away because if you understand where it comes from, then we can do a lot about it. So the first cause of arthritis, and if I and if I take the word arthritis and just break it down for you, arth means joint and itis means inflammation. So really when you're diagnosed with that with that diagnose, you know, that that diagnosis of you have arthritis Really, what your doctor is telling you is that you have inflammation of your joints, which is really what you were telling your doctor in the first place. So it's just a description of what's going on with your joints. So what causes this inflammation? That is really the important question. And there's really two causes of this. First is your diet. So if we have a diet that's pro-inflammatory, and I know you've heard me talk about this before, but this is so important for us to understand. A pro-inflammatory diet would be a diet that has a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of sugars, a lot of processed foods. And when we use these foods as a source of fuel, we produce inflammation. So it's not a clean burning fuel. And what happens here real specifically is when we produce more inflammation within the body, it's very difficult for your body to get the nutrients back into your joints so they can repair, recover, and rebuild. So we really end up with a twofold issue here. Because we're eating processed foods, sugars, and carbs that don't have a lot of really good, rich nutrients, which I'm gonna talk about in just a little bit, what we need. Because we're not putting those in our body and we're producing more inflammation and sparking off inflammatory markers, we're starving out our joints. And the challenge here is that our joints require more nutrients because they're the ones that are moving all the time. So at the root of arthritis is a poor diet. So we need to be able to kind of address our diet, remove the inflammatory foods. So, and again, sugar, carbohydrates, processed foods, alcohol, um, anything that fit in, fits into the category as, as a non fuel, not a non-clean burning fuel source, like good proteins, good fats, and good complex carbohydrates. So that's one cause. So nutrition is huge. It's a huge part of it. And then the second part, and this is probably the most overlooked part, is one of the ways to quickly develop or, you know, almost guarantee yourself arthritic joints is, is poor alignment. And we're going to dive deep into this in the second half of this talk here because this is completely overlooked and it's so, so important. So I just want you to imagine for a moment that, you know, you have your tires on your car, right? And if they are crooked and you drive your car, they are going to wear faster. And that essentially is what arthritis is in your body. So that goes all the way back and it starts with your spine, your spine, your hips, your knees, your ankles, your shoulders. Everything that's misaligned that you are using inevitably is going to wear and tear faster. 
And that is what osteoarthritis is. That's the most common form of arthritis in our country. It's a wear and tear diagnosis. So it's not some boogly-woogly disease that you actually contract or is growing in your body. This is a wear and tear situation that we are causing because we're getting poor nutrients, producing inflammation, and poor alignment. So we have a couple now the the arthritis that I'm speaking of is osteoarthritis, which is different than rheumatoid arthritis. And I'll, I'm going to touch on that briefly. That's really a, a conversation for a different day. But rheumatoid arthritis is more of an autoimmune condition and it's more bloodborne and it's not as much as it's not considered as much as a wear and tear type of um, type of uh, you know condition that we have. So typically. If you go to your doctor, uh, you're often you get the diagnosis of arthritis, and it's an they know it's an inflammatory situation, which is causing pain and swelling, you know, um, and stiffness. Often, a very common, yet I'm going to tell you, it's ineffective treatment is to use an anti-inflammatory. Most common, most common would be something we call NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, aspirin to leaves, Motrin, that kind of stuff. The challenge here is this, and listen closely to this, because th this is a, I get it, none of us want to be in pain. And when we take those things, yeah, quite frankly, they can help us reduce the pain, but it doesn't mean that your body's functioning better. And in a lot of cases, almost all the time, you're actually setting your body up to wear and tear even faster. So unfortunately, anti-inflammatory medications also often inhibit your body from absorbing some of the key nutrients, the very, very most important nutrients that your joints need. So anti-inflammatories, you know, things like even just a basic aspirin, they have a tendency, especially if you use them for anything prolonged use, they have a tendency to decrease the ability of your body to absorb vitamin C. And this by itself is huge because the full enzyme vitamin C is, is what helps you build up your connective tissue. This is collagen. This is repairing your tissues. But unfortunately, when you have the anti-inflammatory, it inhibits the absorption of vitamin C. It also inhibits zinc. And this is huge, folks, because if we, especially if you're a guy, if you inhibit the ability to absorb zinc, you then reduce the amount of HCL that you can produce. So this this is this is full circle here. HCL is your primary digestive enzyme in your stomach which means that you're reducing the number one tool you have to break down your food so you can more efficiently absorb your nutrients. So your anti-inflammatory medication is now decreasing zinc. You need zinc to make HCL, and HCL is used to, that's hydrochloric acid, is used to help you absorb your nutrients. So all of a sudden, we have a joint that needs more nutrients and we're inhibiting the ability to absorb nutrients. And then we, you know, and you can see the writing on the wall here. You got some knee pain, you take some, you know, an Aleve or something like that so you can continue to run. Your joints need more nutrients, but we're inhibiting the absorption of vitamin C and zinc and that's not, it doesn't end there. Most of these NSAIDs also inhibit iron absorption. And this, and this is something that you can kind of, uh, you know, I know a lot of people practice the aspirin a day and it's not, I'm not a big fan of that. And, and let me explain that for, for a second. You, when, 
when people come to my office, I can see just in a waiting room, the people that aren't aspirin a day. And one of the reasons you can see that is you'll often see a lot of those, um, they're, they're broken blood vessels on the hands and on the wrist areas where you see a lot of the, what looks like bruising. You see kind of the broken blood vessels on the arms and in the hands. And the reason that is, is because iron is a building block for blood. And we're, when we're reducing the amount of iron, so now all of a sudden we can't make strong red blood cells. So now if we can't make those strong red blood cells, again, we are weakening the actual nutrients that we're getting back into the joints to make good, strong, healthy joints. So we start all this down this path with, with anti-inflammatories and these non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs that actually can be making things worse, especially if we're using them on a regular basis. And listen, I'm not telling you get off any of the drugs or medications that your doctors put on it, but I think it, it, it beckons us to ask the right question. Does this make me healthier? And listen, I... You know, I lived most of my life as what I call a knucklehead, and meaning that my goal was only to get rid of the pain and just kind of keep plowing through with what I'm doing. But I'm no longer 20, and, and now my outlook is a little bit different. And probably for a lot of you listening to this podcast, you're trying to develop strategies to go to long haul here, that you're trying to figure out ways, what do I need to do now so I can continue to use and enjoy my body? What do I need to do in a healthy way to become a better functioning human being. So this, this is something that we have to address here. So the question really be, what do, it becomes, what do I need to take to help reduce the inflammation, help feed that, feed the joint, feed the actual area of my body that might be expressing some pain signals. So that brings us to what is our goal when it comes to feeding our joints? And it's twofold. I call it weed and feed. We have to weed out, meaning that we have to get rid of the inflammation, and then we have to feed the joint. And there's really going to be two ways we're going to go about this. Um, there's, I'm going to give you some suggestions for like some awesome supplements that you can take and some cutting edge stuff that you can do. So we're trying to then, so not only, so this is the other part. We are going to weed and feed. So we got to get rid of the inflammation and then feed the joint so it can function at its best. We also have to create more space. And that's going to be the second part of this. So make sure you're hanging in here. So how what, what do we need to do to cure or kind of stop this arthritic process right in its tracks? First thing, we got to go through diet. We got to decrease the inflammation. That means low carb, get rid of our sugars. Some of you who are already in that status right there that have already you know improved your, your diet, but you find you still have a lot of inflammation, you might want to start looking at what we call the nightshades, things like tomatoes and eggplants and anything that has lectins in it, that's your glutens. If you still have those in your diet, especially gluten, folks, all of us just just broadly across the board would benefit by getting rid of gluten because there's a lot of inflammation that takes place every time that we eat gluten. So let's clean up the diet. We are certainly going to hydrate more because we want to create a system that can flush things out. We need to stay super hydrated. And I, I'm amazed often at this day and age with the amount of information we have out there, how many people are walking around dehydrated. So just, you know, generally a good benchmark about half your body weight in ounces a day of, of, of water. Uh, heavy load it in the first part of your day. And, you know, as you get closer to bedtime, a little bit less. So you don't stay up all night, you know, you know, in the, in the restroom. The second, one of the second, the second thing that I want to give you 
is using turmeric. So I know there's a lot of good types of turmeric out there, but I want to explain turmeric for a second for you because I think it's, it's uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm, I'm guessing you've already heard that turmeric is really good and you've probably started to maybe even incorporate it. And I'll tell you, turmeric is fantastic. It really does work as good as everyone thinks it does, yet it works in very specific ways. So almost everything that's on the market right now is very good in maintaining low levels of inflammation. But almost none of them, there's one I'm going to talk about that I use clinically that can actually stop inflammation that is caused by pain. And that is the one that most people are looking for. So really what happens here is, and even the ones out there that are bound to things like pepper and they're bound to um, different liposomes, which is uh, your turmeric is a, um, you need to have a good fat, a good oil to help it kind of being brought up into the body and utilized properly. Yet, unfortunately, most of the turmerics out there do not end up into the bloodstream. So there's one I use called turmeric forte. And this type of turmeric is actually bound to fenugreek. And this formula that that is used can actually, the studies have shown that it not only shuts off the, the, the everyday potential of inflammation we cause, but right in the middle of an acute phase, this does an amazing job. So it really does a good job in helping with pain modulation and inflammation that may, you may have generated as a result of exercise or an injury. And that's called turmeric forte. It's made by uh, Mediherb. So we want to use turmeric on a regular basis. And this, the strategy with turmeric is steady Freddy, meaning that consistent use of it over time, getting it up into the bloodstream so it's available when you're provoking an inflammatory response, it can then respond then. Doing it after the fact is when the turmeric forte really becomes um, one of the only ones that will work after the fact, but the others you know, listen, all turmeric is good for us. If whatever you use, just keep using it. If you want to raise the bar, there's another option there. Make sure that we have fish oils on a regular basis, at least a thousand milligrams a day of a good high quality fish oil. My go-to is still, my, my favorite out there is still cod liver oil because it has a natural occurring, uh, a natural source of vitamin D and A. And that's pretty unique to cod liver oil by itself. So you're also getting immune help there, not just the DHA and EPAs, but you're also getting some immune support there. So old school cod liver, fantastic. But your other ones, acryl oils, fantastic. There's a lot of good omega-3s and there's a lot of good tuna omegas, calamari oils, a lot of good stuff right there. And then also collagen. Collagen is fantastic. Collagen is something that we can actually start to feed the joint back with. So turmeric and fish oils are designed not necessarily feeding the joint, but they're helping the weeding process. The fish oils help as a, an ability for your body to remove inflammation, to create the space so you can get the nutrients in. But now if we start to add collagen, so, so collagen you know, heck, if we eat a good animal-based diet and you're eating grass-fed beef, that is probably the absolute best source of collagen. You do get it in chicken and fish and stuff like that. Yet the challenge here is this, especially if you've been using an, an anti-inflammatory. I mentioned earlier that you need zinc, which anti-inflammatories inhibit the uptake of zinc, which then lowers your hydrochloric acid. One of the reasons so many people have issues with digesting with digesting red meat is because of the collagen. The 
Collagen is the hardest thing for us to break down. And it's one of the most important things that, that we need. It's so good for joint health. It's good for gut health. There's so many benefits of having a regular, you know, a regular source of collagen coming into my into your body. In fact, I, I every morning I put it into my coffee. I put a powdered source into my coffee. So collagen really, really, really helps our joints start to repair. And unfortunately, if you are using anti-inflammatory, there's a good chance, even if you're supplementing it, that you're still having a hard time absorbing your collagen because you're still you're still decreasing the amount of HCL, hydrochloric acid, that your stomach can produce. So no zinc, no HCL, no absorption of collagen. And then there's some of the other popular ones that we that you've heard of before about feeding the joints. And that thing, that's stuff like glucosamine. And absolutely, this is something that can actually start to Feed the joints back. There's a very specific nutrient called manganese. Manganese is unique in the sense that it actually can help the fibers like in your discs and really can help you absorb some of the other trace minerals that can help support some of those real fibrous types of connective tissue that we have, even things like cartilage. One of my favorite products that I use is something that Standard Process makes and it's called Ligaplex 2. If you are like me and you're kind of a has-been um, has athlete, you know, you were an athlete most of your years and seems at times that all your joints kind of hurt, this is one of my favorite daily uh, supplements that I use to feed the body back, feed the joints. Uh, it's called Ligaplex 2. It's from Standard Process. So any of these that I mentioned, whether it be collagen or glucosamine or Ligaplex 2, remember, we still have to have a clean diet. If you, because if we can't create the space, we have to be able to get the inflammatory markers out and out of the body so we can get the nutrients into the joints. If you're just plowing a bunch of supplements on a bad diet, most likely you're wasting your money. Well, you're not necessarily wasting your money because it is a good thing, but you're not going to get the end results and or the quicker results. And what happens usually is people say, oh, I tried that. You know, I tried that. It didn't really work. So clean up the diet hydrate more and get some good nutrients. So we're weeding and we're feeding. And of course, you know, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. All right. And then another great strategy is to move more. So yes, even though for a lot of people, movement creates pain, the truth is movement also creates increased nutrients out to the joints. So that is something that's a simple law of supply and demand, yet we got to have the right movement. So let's let's dive into that. And this is where I think this is completely overlooked and something that you by yourself, you won't need necessarily a lot of help doing this, but this part is huge. If your body's become imbalanced, and I'm talking about your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments, your posture. If your posture has started to you know, mold into abnormal alignment, you know, the head starting to come forward, the shoulders are rolled forward, your hip flexors are tight. This is when we have abnormal loads on joints. And listen, it's just like the tires in your car, your joints are going to start to wear out faster. And there are some things, you know, I've been a practicing chiropractor for, you know, two decades now. And there are very specific things that I can check in a body that I can then follow it up with an x-ray in a very specific area and say, you know what, I can predict I'm going to see some arthritic changes here. And I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through those the best I can. So tight hamstrings. So hamstrings are blamed for everything. All my hamstrings are tight. I always have hamstring tightness. I stretch them all the time. 
if you have chronically tight hamstrings, so the hamstring, part of the attachments to the attachments actually go below the knee. So it takes those bones that are below the knee, they, so they attach up into the hip, into your sit bone, and they cross over the knee and they go to the bones like your tibia and fibula below your knee. If your hamstrings are tight, it pulls those bones up, creating a smaller space in the actual knee joint. And as, you, as that space is, is narrowed, then there's more pressure on the meniscus, there's more pressure on the cartilage, and that creates a situation where now you're going to wear and tear those joints you're going to beat them up. You're going to get diagnosed with arthritis faster. So things like hamstrings, tight hamstrings, chronically lead to knee issues. Another one that's almost a, a no-brainer for someone you know, like myself who practices, when we see people with really tight psoas muscles. So your psoas muscles on the front part of your body. It starts in the front part of your spine, you're like your lumbar spine, which is just imagine from around your belly button, a little bit above your belly button down, and it goes out to your femurs, and it's on the in part of your hip, in, in part of your hips, and it goes down into the, the inner part of your femur bone. So just imagine like almost like inner groin, really, really strong muscles. When we talk about your core, really we're talking about your psoas muscles. Well, for all of us, everyone listening to this, we all have tight psoas muscles. They have, they're doing what we call creeping short. And that happens because we spend so much time sitting down. And as a result of that, that muscle starts to shorten and it puts pressure on your low back. So when you have chronically tight psoas muscles, you're always putting abnormal loads, abnormal stresses on your lumbar spine. And that's why we see so many disc issues and so much arthritis or what they call degenerative joint disease. So that sounds like, oh my goodness, I, 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 you know, I've kind of contracted something that's really, really bad for me. Now, again, we're causing this to happen. So if we can increase the length, the flexibility of our psoas muscles, we can then take pressure off our lumbar spine, give a little bit of breathing room, space back to our discs, take pressure off the bones, and our bones won't necessarily create those arthritic changes. So psoas muscles always shows up in your lumbar spine in an x-ray. And then we have things like tight pec muscles. Yeah, your chest muscles. Those are the ones that are pulling your shoulders forward. There are very few people that I find aren't very tight in their pecs, but we don't really think about it. No one's ever like kind of poking at them or, or you know, kind of, you know, stretching them out. But if you have tight pec muscles, especially over a prolonged period of time, that is often at the root cause of neck issues. And that's when we start to see, like we can we take an x-ray of someone that's rolled, you know, their shoulders are rolled forward. It's almost a guarantee you're going to see some arthritic changes, some changes in the bony development in your cervical spine. So what do we do? We do more pec openers. And I'm, I'm gonna wrap this together for you. Remember, this is all about making things simple for you. So I'm gonna pull that together for you in just a moment. And then of course, we have the infamous blame everything on the IT bands. <laughs> That's, I hear more people blame the IT bands um, as the cause of all their ailments. And they, they, they deep massage them and they foam roll them into agony and, and they're always tender and they're sore. A little heads up on your IT band. It is not their fault, okay? Stop beating up your IT bands. Yeah, foam rolling is awesome for them and doing stretches like a, a pigeon posture that we have in yoga and stuff, but fantastic for lengthening the IT band. But the IT band, the iliotibial band, which starts up in your hip and goes down, crosses the knee, drops down into, right into the, um, 
into the fibula, it's the outer bone of your lower leg. That IT band, especially for runners, that is actually taking orders from another muscle called your TFL, your tensor fasciolata. I don't have a diagram. So just imagine here for a moment, there's this, and you Google that one, Google tensor fasciolata so you understand it, but your tensor fasciolata is the one that is dictating how tight your iliotilial band is going to be. And your tensor fasciolata is actually responding to pelvic imbalance. So if you're sitting down and your hips kind of tucked forward, your tensor fasciolata is always responding to the way that your pelvic is tilted. Is it tilted underneath? Is it tilted back? Maybe you got big bubble butt, tilted off to the side. And, you know, we don't give much thought to this. So let's just say you're a mom and you're listening to this. I want you to think if you're a mom and you had a child, you also made your body into a shelf. You know, you know what a posture I'm talking about. You stick your hip out, put your baby on it. And then even though your baby's now five, eight, 10 years old, when you stand in front of one, you still lean to that side. That pelvic imbalance starts to create muscle and tendon tightness, which then makes tight joints. Now, when you use your body with those tight joints, wear and tear happens. So what do we do about this overall tightness? Here's the answer. Drum roll, please. The answer is we develop a yoga practice. And listen, I know as soon as I say that, people say things like, oh, I don't like yoga. It's, it's, it's too hard for me. I'm not getting good at it. That, if that's you, you need yoga more than anyone. So I personally, I used to hate yoga. I never wanted to do it. And part of it, it was too slow for me. It wasn't aggressive enough. And it was too damn hard. And when I first started it, Truth is, I started to hurt myself more because I approached it as if, as if it was a form, a, a source of exercise. And being a, a knucklehead, I would approach it full steam ahead, the harder the better. Well, that's the thing about range of motion. And that's, you know, and about developing flexibility with our bodies. You can't rush it. So ultimately, by getting your body healthy, and this, this, always, this is always part of the strategy, you got to put the work in. And the work is not just one day's worth, but a nonstop practice. So if there's one thing I can encourage you, if you have arthritis, if you are tight and stiff, give yourself the permission to bring back your youth. Listen, don't keep moving the needle toward rigor mortis. Give yourself permission to do what it takes. Because the longer you go with degenerating your body, with wearing and tearing it out, truthfully, it gets harder and harder to restore. So give yourself the permission to start a yoga practice. And there's all kinds. There's restorative yogas. There's gentle yogas. There is a type of yoga out there, quite frankly, for everyone. If yoga is not your thing and you just refuse to do it, at least start an intelligent Intelligence means you got to like kind of learn a little bit about anatomy and physiology, learn what your psoas muscle is, your tensor fasciolata, start stretching the appropriate muscles to start lengthening and creating space. You want your knees to feel better overnight? Loosen up your psoases. Loosen up your psoases. It loosens up things like your IT band, gives some, takes some pressure off your tensor fasciolata, your quads get to release a little bit, and then we create the space again down in the actual knee joint. All right, so let's pull all this together. I'm going to actually... I want you to do this little test. I, I know you're probably driving in your car, sitting down, but when you get home to do this safely, I want you to do a basic posture test so you can understand how imbalanced your body can be and what muscles you might need to activate to get it back. And it's a real simple test. All you need to do is this. You stand up, shake your body free just a little bit, 
uh, close your eyes, take a couple steps in place, and then open your eyes and just let your body, you know, your feet, you're just going to kind of come into whatever you think is normal posture. And I want you to feel where the weight is distributed in your feet. Most of us, like 99% of us, the, the weight is moving forward to the front part of our feet. We should have e even distribution of, of weight into about the middle of our feet. We should feel it in the front of our feet, the back of our feet, and the middle of our feet. And what you're going to find is that it's bouncing back and forth. And you're going to feel your muscles of your legs start to activate. And that's because you're not using certain muscles, the right muscles, to maintain good posture. So just being aware of good posture. And here we go. All the way back to the beginning, right? It's this simple. Good posture, good structure dictates good function. And there's two, there's really, uh, posture is really, uh, you know, it's interesting. So when the little kids come into my office, especially these young, young boys and girls that come in, I always talk to them about posture and they understand it. And I, and I try to tell the parents, it's two things. Don't just tell them to stand up straight. Get, let's give some value. So when we talk about posture, understand that posture is associated, directly associated with our emotional confidence, with our mental confidence, with what's going on in our brain. As you can imagine, if, if you yell at a, a young child, heck, you yell at anybody, you see their posture changes, their head goes down, the shoulders slope forward, and we have this abnormally kind of weak posture. So it goes both ways here. Good posture creates confidence and confidence creates good posture. So you can literally look at someone, someone's posture, and just looking at them, understand how confident that they are. And unfortunately, I see more and more people now kind of disconnecting, head down, shoulders forward, you know, pelvic tilted forward, and really kind of sloppy and weak posture. So if you want to improve this fine-tuned machine that you are and that you have, start working on your posture. Develop yourself a yoga practice. So let's bring this all together here. What are we going to do? So arthritis is something that doesn't happen to you. The things that we do make it happen. So the good news there is that that means you can make changes here. You can take strategies that we're talking about today that I'm about to give you once again to start to improve and decrease the amounts of arthritis that you're ever going to develop and create a higher functioning body. There are some things that we want to do first to help weed out, clean the system out. We've got to clean up the diet, get rid of the, get rid of the, the processed foods, the sugars, the carbohydrates at night, the alcohol, all of these things produce information. They're dirty, burning fuel. So we want to get the clean stuff, grass-fed meats, grass-fed beef. We want good amount of vegetables and antioxidants. There's some really good strategies that we can use in terms of supplementation. So again, supplements don't replace our nutrition. We're, we, we supplement to supplement what we might not have. So we want to increase the amount of essential fatty acids. That's a technical name for fish oils. And again, my favorite is cod liver oil. Uh, turmeric forte is a fantastic source for helping weed out, decreasing the amount of inflammation that the body uses. I use something called Ligaplex 2 that feeds the joints back. And of course, we are going to hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. All right, folks, that's your wrap here. That's that's how to get joint health, improve joint health by feeding the body, getting rid of the inflammation so we have an understanding of arthritis. You know what? I'm going to tackle and then why we feel old. We feel old because we can't move. I have a couple questions here. I'll tackle these. we got a little bit of time left here. Let me tackle some questions that I've received. All right. First question. 
I have a torn meniscus. Doctor wants me to operate. Anything I can take to heal this. Oh, all right. Um, well, I would start with everything we just talked about. We got to decrease the inflammation. And then, so we need to weed and feed. We got to get rid of the inflammation, start to feed the joint. The challenge here, if you technically have a torn meniscus, we are not necessarily going to repair that meniscus. Some of it's going to come down to tolerance. If that meniscus has torn off and it's floating in the joint, and that, that presents an issue because that means certain times you're going to step a certain way and it's going to feel like there's a rock in that joint. So that becomes a little bit uh, of, a, of a challenge here. But there are some other strategies that you can take. So uh, laser therapy is a great option here. Um, like a cold laser, uh, you know, uh, like a class four cold laser can really do a good job. If you're doing good with your with your nutrients, you're decreasing the inflammation, you're getting some turmeric, you're getting some fish oils, you're putting in some other nutrients to feed those joints. Um, so of course, supply the proper nutrients. A more expensive option might be look into something like stem cell. It's an expensive option, but it, it can be very, very useful here. I've seen a lot of great results with some with stem cell injections in the knees, especially knees and shoulders. All right, another question. Uh, the more I run, the more my knees hurt, my IT bands are very tight. I get massaged regularly. I foam roll regularly. Is there a specific shoe that you recommend? Okay. Um, well, I'm going to start by saying this. If running hurts all the time, back off running. We, we still have to be smart here. Um, again, I am bred into the knucklehead group, so I get it. Um, no pain, no gain, right? No, that's not a good strategy. And so here's here's the whole no pain, no gain. goes like this. If your joints hurt, bad. You do not work through, do not plow through painful joints. Muscles hurts, tendons are on fire, lungs are hurting, so be it. Just just kind of, you know, work, work through this. But it is more important right now, if you have knee pain, ask yourself, am I in the knucklehead group right now? Am I just ignoring what my body's trying to tell me, which might be, hey, listen, I need a break from this until I produce, create a better environment. So your tensor fasciae, again, it's not the, it's not your, I'm sorry, your, your IT band is not necessarily, it's not its fault. So stop beating it up. Certainly foam rolling, get it massaged and everything, but take a look at the hips. If you got a good massage therapist and understands good anatomy, they do good therapeutic work, have them do some work on the tensor fasciae. I promise you, you will know when they get it because it does not feel good, but it can be amazingly therapeutic. And it's an awkward muscle because it's not just on the side, it's not in the back. It starts right on, if, if, if you kind of put your your hand or your thumb on the top of your hip, on the side of your hip, and then your fingers down into your femur bone, you feel a bone there called your greater trochanter. It is just in front of those two. So if you have a good massage therapist or body worker, they'll understand that. Start to loosen that up and you're going to start to get some relief to that. Your question is about shoes. No, I don't have necessarily a good shoe on. Just make sure that it it's good for your foot. Um, you know, ne don't necessarily go for brand or 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 look. Go for something that feels good for you to run. Um, maybe I should find a better shoe out there, but I think that's all on a personal level. And the shoes nowadays, you know, they're sold to be really sexy, not necessarily really functional. So find something that's going to serve your body well. All right, next, last question here. Um, I have rheumatoid arthritis. Diagnosed 10 years ago, uh, mostly in my hands, often lots of pain, full body pain. I want to get off the meds. Any suggestions? 
Okay, we were, I was going to leave this for a different topic, but I will speak to this just kind of uh, uh, quickly here. Rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune condition. And one of the typical therapies for rheumatoid arthritis is using steroids to decrease the inflammatory markers and decrease the pain. So if we kind of reverse engineer this and say, if steroids are helping, what is it about our body right now that is decreasing, that doesn't have the natural steroids? So we, we make corticosteroids and those are made in your adrenal glands. So anybody experiencing any autoimmune conditions, that's for any, I don't care if it's Hashimoto's or, or rheumatoid arthritis, whatever it may be, supporting your adrenal glands is always part of your protocol. If you have rheumatoid arthritis, I would follow a diet called AIP. It's an autoimmune protocol. And that's, and make sure that you are giving good support to your adrenal glands. And, and what does that mean? So uh, there's I use very specific stuff. I use glandulars to begin with in the beginning part of the protocol, uh, uh, desiccated adrenal glands. I'll also use um, ashwagandha, rumania, echinacea. Those are all great support for the adrenal glands. High doses of the full complex vitamin C. That is the fuel for your adrenal glands. So that's what your adrenal glands like to eat on a regular basis. A good broad-based minerals, even sea salt is good because your adrenal glands will need those. So Anything you do to support your adrenal glands, clean up the diet very specifically. If you have rheumatoid arthritis, you want to follow something called uh, an AIP, an autoimmune protocol. All right, folks. Again, simple health tips to help you become the best functioning human being that you can be. Y'all have an awesome day. We'll see you in the next podcast. Thanks for listening to the Health Made Simple podcast. If you have a question or email you'd like me to answer or a topic you want me to cover, just go ahead and send us an email. To get my simple health tip on a daily basis, follow me on Facebook at Dr. Bart Precourt. And remember, your body is designed to be healthy. So let's make this the healthiest year of your life by taking more action than you ever have before.